You are listening to an Elftree Publishing Podcast. Our elves have been hard at work in search for meaningful and compelling content, so we hope you enjoy this show. And now, for our feature presentation. Enjoy. Featuring free-spirited conversation to help build a better future for generations to come. This is Elftree Publishing. vaccine candidates developed and jointly owned by NIAID and Moderna. Now this is weird because it's two weeks later that we know there's a problem. They signed that deal two weeks who happened to be a partner with the bat lady in Wuhan. Here's where it gets really dark. These are the same group of people that in the end of January begin to have meetings and they shut down and begin to smear anyone who's looking into the lab leak theory. They, they establish that's not true, don't even look there. It, it appears to be collusion. Run. Run. Planet Earth about to be recycled. Your only chance to evacuate is to leave with us. Is to leave with us. From leaving behind the world of bioterrorism to off the grid and independent living. You're listening to Exit the Cult. Happy Friday, everyone. I'm your host, Joe Morales, and you're listening to Exit the Cult, a podcast dedicated to exposing the lies of the mainstream media to help others wake up to the truth. Let's exit the cult together. It's December 10th. Welcome to the show. Got quite a few things to talk about in this episode. We're going to get into some music news, as always. We have some news about the Maxwell trial. If you don't know who, uh, I think it's Ghislaine Maxwell. People call her Gislaine. I've heard Gislaine. I'm going to call her Ghislaine. Ghislaine Maxwell. Silent S. All caps Maxwell. Not like the coffee company, Maxwell House. But, um, you know, of the creepy flies on private jets to Lolita Island uh, rapey vibe, Maxwell. That's that's where we're going with this. And uh, some news on the latest COVID saga that is... You know, it's just part of all of our lives now. There's no way to escape it. And I know a lot of people want to just disappear into good news and happy news that makes them feel good inside. But I feel like we are in a very real situation that we must continuously uncover every week. There's always something new to talk about. So I want to thank you guys for joining me today. Let's get into our cult of the day. The 12 Tribes. Formed in 1972 in Chattanooga, Tennessee, the 12 tribes have gone by a number of names and have an international presence. Formed out of the Jesus movement of the early 1970s by Albert Spriggs, who calls himself Yenick, 
The group started as an offshoot of a prayer group for teenagers which broke off from their Presbyterian church after a January service was canceled in favor of watching the Super Bowl. I have been to many churches in my life where people would cancel church for the Super Bowl. It's quite hilarious. That is how important that sporting event is to so many people. Spreading quickly around the South, the group embraced the peace and love vibe of the hippie culture and sought to recreate the first century Christian church described in the Book of Acts. As such, they have no formal ties to any branch of Christianity, practice Messianic Jewish beliefs that teach Jews were responsible for the slaying of Christ, and seek to establish 12 Israeli tribes around the world to presage the end of the world. They've also been accused of being a cult and exploiting their children for slave labor and tax evasion. They have between 2,500 and 3,000 members. The origins of the 12 Tribes movement can be traced back to a ministry for teenagers, which was called the Light Brigade in 1972. The ministry operated out of a small coffee shop called the Lighthouse in the home of Gene Spriggs and his wife, Marsha. The Light Brigade began living communally and opened a restaurant called the Yellow Deli while its members were attending several churches before they decided to join the First Presbyterian Church. I wonder if their sandwiches were good. The Light Brigade, while its members were affiliated with First Presbyterian, they caused friction with its establishment by bringing in anyone who was willing to come with them, including members of different social classes and racial groups, a practice which was not engaged in at the time. On January 12, 1975, the group arrived at First Presbyterian only to find out that the service had been canceled for the Super Bowl. This led the group to form the Vine Christian Community Church. During this time, the church planted churches, each with its own yellow deli in Dalton and Trenton, Georgia, Mintone, Alabama, and Dayton, Tennessee. So they were essentially a, uh, a cult of deli franchise owners? Their withdrawal from the religious mainstream turned what had been a friction-filled relationship into an outcry against them. They began holding their own services, which they called Critical Mass, in Warner Park, appointing elders and baptizing people outside any denominational authority. <gasps> Blasphemy! The deteriorating relationship between the group and the religious and secular Chattanooga community attracted the attention of the Parents Committee to free our children from the children of God. That's, that's an actual committee. It's a cult awareness network. Let me read that again. This is the group name. The Parents Committee to Free Our Children from the Children of God. Yeah, that's what it's called. And the Citizens Freedom Foundation, who labeled the church a cult and heavily attacked Spriggs as a cult leader. This just smells of like inside infighting. People jealous, losing members of their church, money going away, and being allocated to different organizations, such as the Yellow Deli. You know, they're going in there and they can no longer get their free uh, BLT. Ugh, Sandy just came in. Let's charge her devil for her sandwich. I hate that bitch. Hold the pickles. Okay, let's continue. This led to what the group refers to today as the cult scare in the late 70s. A series of deprogramming started in the summer of 1976 that were carried out by Ted Patrick. Ted Patrick, he's an American cult deprogrammer and author. The group nevertheless largely ignored the negative press and the wider world in general and continued to operate its businesses, opening the Aeropagus Cafe and a second local Yellow Deli in downtown Chattanooga. In 1978, an invitation was received from a small church in Island Pond, Vermont, for Spriggs to minister there. 
The offer was declined, but the group began moving in stages to the rural town, naming the church there the Northeast Kingdom Community Church. One of Patrick's last deprogramming cases in Chattanooga occurred in 1980. It involved a police detective who, according to Swantco, whoever the fuck that is, had his 27-year-old daughter arrested on a falsified warrant in order to facilitate her deprogramming with the support of local judges. Ooh, the controversy, which they probably called some sort of rehab. The group continued moving, closing down all of its yellow delis and associated churches except for one in Dalton. Talk about a line around the building. Everyone's like, it's the only one that's left. It is the only one that's left. It is. It is. It is. It is. It is. They're all like in their little prayer hands, walking around, waiting for their moons over my hammy sandwich. I don't even know. At one point, a leader conceded that the group was deeply in debt before closing the Dalton Church down and moving the last members to Vermont. The 12 tribes' beliefs resemble those of Christian fundamentalism, the Hebrew Roots Movement, Messianic Judaism, and the Sacred Name Movement. However, the group believes that all other denominations are fallen, and it therefore refuses to align itself with any denomination or movement. The sandwiches are God now. Uh, Brittany, did you change your gloves? Your gloves are dirty. You can't make sandwiches with those gloves. I've been in prayer hands all morning. I'm sorry, Crystal. Hmm... You must pay a penance. No sprouts on your sandwich for two weeks. No pickles either. And you can't have any of the rye bread. You must only have the wheat. I hate wheat. Shut up. It believes that in order for the Messiah to return, the church needs to be restored to its original form as it's described in Acts 2, 38 through 42. And Acts 4, 32 through 37. This restoration is not merely the restoration of the first century church, but the creation of a new Israel which should consist of 12 tribes which are located in 12 geographic regions. Part of the restoration is the return to observing the Sabbath, maintaining some of the Mosaic law, including dietary laws and the festivals. This interpretation of the prophesied restoration of Israel combined with the perceived immorality in the world leads the group to be believed that the end times has arrived, though no date has been set. Children have been noted to play a central role in the group's eschatological beliefs, especially the sons. The 12 tribes believed that it is the parents' responsibility to properly enforce a consequence for sin, so as to follow the child to maintain the state of a clean conscience. Hmm. This causes the child to understand accountability to the choices he or she makes. Over time, the children's children will be better equipped to deal with or overcome the faults of their predecessors. This will enable future generations of the group to hopefully be the 144,000 of Revelation 7. The children are homeschooled. Within the group, teenagers may take on apprenticeships in the group's industries to be taught trades complementing their education. The group acknowledges using corporal punishment with a reed-like rod. Jesus Christ. Like a balloon stick across the child's bottom. Though many former members, including children raised by the group, say punishments can include far more severe implements. I mean, come on. Of course they can. You're talking about abuse. This this leads it into the interpretation of those swinging the stick. Group members do not send their children to college, believing that college is not a healthy environment, either for learning or social development. And it's not good in the pocketbook. So here is Hans Skenecki. He is a former elder of the 12 tribes, speaking about his experience. Brought to you by A Current Affair. People say I was brainwashed, say, for example. This might be suggested. And, and, and I get that. I, get, I understand the process, I think, a little bit. But in my case, I would say not. 
I needed an identity. I didn't know who I was. I was 23, and I was desperately wondering, who the heck am I? And, and, and I found it in a big way, like really big way. The cult is based on the First Testament. The 12 tribes live in communities, handing over all their possessions and all their money when they join. God-given right. They recruit members through their Yellow Deli cafes around the world. But it's their treatment of children that has sparked international headlines. How old are you? You tell her. This hidden camera investigation aired on US television in 2018, filming young children of the 12 tribes being forced to work on their farms and on factory assembly lines. Factories? We don't have factories. We have videotape of it, sir. In 2013, a police raid removed 40 children from a 12 tribes compound in Germany after undercover footage captured repeated physical punishment of a number of children. A current affair has heard numerous accounts of Australian children at the hands of the tribes being beaten with rods from a very young age at their communes in Picton and in the Blue Mountains outside of Sydney. As ex-member Matthew Klein told us in October. Young babies wriggling while you're changing their nappies, you need to spank them to keep them still. So they learn to respond. As a shepherd. Alarmingly, Skenecki doesn't deny children have been subjected to this type of treatment here in Australia. How did you feel about the attitudes within the 12 tribes of the severe disciplining of children? How did I feel about yeah. it? I thought it was great. At the time, great. I thought it was fantastic. Why? I thought it was... Um, Why? You can come up with an argument that says, hey, children need boundaries. They're insecure without them. And, and, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't disagree with that, but I've got a 16-month-old yeah, and yeah. I think if I were to whack her with a rod... I can tell you that she doesn't understand what yeah, I'm doing yeah, no, or no. why. No, no, it's more like dog training. It's re you're reducing them down to a, a more of a primal level. You're not reasoning. Before I had children, this was fine. I loved it. You have your own and life takes on a different flavor. And it smacking sure your own little, little human being on the bed there uh, sounds different all of a sudden. And, and it was different for you? Yeah, absolutely. Everything changes when you have children. Han's wife decided to leave the 12 tribes in 2009 with their kids. Their intense disciplining had become too much for her. And Han decided he too would leave with them. He'd started to question the behaviours of the group, not only with children, but also their attitudes towards medical care. Seeking outside medical help within the tribes was frowned upon. Even in serious situations, members were discouraged from going to hospital. You were an elder, yeah. so when people were ill, yeah. what, what was your role? Um, as an elder and a shepherd, you would go and you would um, find out if there was anything in them that they needed to get out. Like what? And you could call it confessing your sins. You'd been watching pornography. You had, um, I don't know, you'd been mean to your wife or you'd been insubordinate to your husband. You'd uh, hit your children too hard. And that would be causing the illness, would yeah, be the Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. But if someone's seriously ill... Then uh, we'd pray for them. We didn't say you couldn't go to the hospital, but it had to get to a point of urgency where there's some danger. I know of a girl who almost died and... Um, by the time they got her there and they got her a blood transfusion, she was nearly gone. So does an elder get to make that call? 
elders, you're going to, uh, when it gets sort of critical, like in a birth, we would always have a gopher guy um, with a vehicle that was fully petroled up and the keys in his hand, and he knew where the hospital was. That, right. that reluctance is dangerous. It takes you too close to the line. And, but that's how we did it. We were all in. We were all in. We actually were believing that he was going to come through. By he, Han means God. And when he didn't come through, then generally it's your fault. Up. Although Han left the 12 tribes a decade ago, it wasn't a clean break. He stayed in contact with them over the years, the group even welcoming him back for a visit to their main commune, Peppercorn Creek Farm, just a few months ago, where he returned with some of their medical guides, instructing members to take herbs to treat serious illness. Last time I checked, I don't know the blended garlic was going to cure. Yeah, well, this was you our, in a child. This, this was their first port of call, and you didn't. Your your first idea was not a doctor, and not a hospital. I mean, here there's guidelines on how to treat preeclampsia, and it talks about you know certain taking certain herbs to look after a woman's liver. As someone who's had preeclampsia, yeah. it's life-threatening. Yeah. A, a few herbs isn't going to fix a life-threatening condition. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. I would agree. They say it was all our fault that um, God couldn't really bless us with a live baby because of our sin. In our original investigation, former member Rosemary Cruzado told of the devastating loss of her baby. We asked Han what he knew of her story. There were babies that were stillborn. There were babies that struggled to live, definitely, the whole gamut. Those things did happen, and some of those things probably would have been preventable, but... Han and his wife had a similar close call with his third child, born in the tribes. Unlike Rose, he actually got the option to see a doctor, but still ignored their advice uh, for an emergency C-section. I came back and I said, Doctor, the, the, the child that's in my wife's womb was put there by our creator, and he chose to put that life there, and if it's going to be born alive, it'll be because he makes it born alive, and he's going to bring it to birth. How do you feel about their, their attitude now with the perspective that you have now? Well, I guess that's why I'm talking to you. So far, no-one has ever been held accountable for the loss of life in the 12 tribes nor has there been an investigation into the financial operations of their businesses here in Australia. No-one earns a wage from working in the cafe. Would I be correct in saying that? Correct, absolutely correct. There's no wages going on at all. I mean, WorkCover had a devil of a time trying to work with us because we're all bosses. There are no employees because there are no wages. Things like that, like the ATO, applying for tax-exempt status. I did it in New Zealand, I did it here. The advancement of religion is one of the four heads of charity. So, on that argument... No tax? No tax. Han is in a very different place now, living in northern New South Wales. The distance in time and space that's now between he and the 12 tribes has given him pause to reflect. So... So you would call the 12 tribes a cult? I think you could use that word. I don't have... Don't normally. I know. Don't. I don't use that word. Sect is probably better. A little bit less uh, emotional, but definitely uh, high controlling. Yeah, all that. If you're not in, you're out. If you're not, if you're not with me, you're against me. If you want to have a strong identity, create a strong enemy, and then you really know who you are. So there you have it. A brief overview of the twelve tribes not coming to a town near you, or maybe I don't know. They still have members. Are you one of them? Suddenly I'm hungry. Ah, now I want to go to the Yellow Deli. 
You are listening to Exit the Cult, only on Elf Tree Publishing. Enjoy. 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 Hey, enjoy. Hey, you. Enjoy. Enjoy. Hey, hey, you. Yeah, you. Enjoy. Yes, you. Enjoy. From Billboard.com, Adele will earn $2 million plus for each of her Las Vegas shows. Adele generated more than $50 million in ticket sales Wednesday for her upcoming Las Vegas residency at the Coliseum at Caesars Palace, averaging a record $2.2 million per show, according to Billboard's estimates. 2.2. That's ridiculous. So from Yahoo News, Adele fans need to be double vaccinated if they want to attend her Las Vegas residency in 2022. A notice on the Ticketmaster website states that the event organizer is requiring all attendees to be fully vaccinated 14 days past their final vaccination shot and also have received a negative COVID-19 test. And not only do you got to be double vaxxed, you also have to prove a negative COVID-19 test because it's so Goddamn deadly, you guys. You have to prove your COVID-19 negative test within 48 hours of the event. Quote, both proof of vaccination and proof of negative test within 48 hours of the event. Blah, 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 blah. Who cares? Oh, hey, Joe, where were you uh, during that uh, fascist takeover by the Nazis in 2020? Oh, just, you know, doing this show called Exit the Cult, talking shit about everyone's hero. Um, you know, this is this doesn't feel good to me. But the reality is, them forcing people to only be able to enjoy this kind of a show... Joe, it's for safety. It's for safety. Yeah, okay. Whatever. It's absolutely crazy to think about how... (laughs) There's no band, there's no artist I would ever pay $800 to go see. I'm I'm sorry. I just wouldn't do it. I don't care if the fucking Beatles were still playing. I wouldn't pay it. There's just this deep down principle I have where I just don't give a shit. I don't care enough. I think because maybe I toured in my life and I've been to shows and I've seen so much live music and I know the whole ins and outs of what it is to perform and just how quickly a show can come and go. And I get it. I also understand from a fan's perspective, the experience and the memories and singing along to your favorite track. But I just, I can't, I can't get it out of my head how tyrannical this is where you've got all these fans of Adele that are not vaccinated or maybe they had their first dose. They don't have their second. Oh, no, no, no. Maybe they had their first two doses. And they didn't want to go get a COVID-19 negative test. They didn't want to go get their nose stabbed with a uh, PCR freaking cotton swab. I don't know. This whole thing is so crazy. I can't even, like, wrap my brain around it. I, I, the only way I can wrap my brain around it is if I'm retarded. And if I'm retarded then I can totally understand why people are fully on board with this. But I'm not retarded. I I have a a functioning brain where I can critically think and I can see that this is nothing but tyranny. This is nothing but fascism. This is nothing but segregation. And it's nonsense. Everyone that complies with this is a fool, a pure, utter fool. And anyone that is actually holding a ticket to this Adele show in their hand is a fucking fool, period. Sorry. It's the truth. 
I've just lost so much respect for artists that are that are playing this game. They're going along with it. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. We're rolling in the deep bullshit. Rolling in the deep bullshit. So speaking of fools, here are the crazy bitches from The View talking about the, uh, in their words, Omerian variant. They don't even know it's called Omicron. But listen to them chirp around talking about, this is their logic, you guys. Listen to their logic about the unvaccinated psychopaths. Well, they don't agree with that. They feel that their greater good is more important than your greater good. Well, you know, it was interesting to me that the argument was being made, if you're vaccinated, why do you care about me being vaccinated? You're protected. And that's why we are at the Omarion. Uh, 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 let me get my papers. Omarion. Can't even say it right. Omicron, Omicron. variant. Right? That's why we are where we are because yeah. it's <laughs> mutating. It's becoming this crazy superbug. She called it a crazy superbug. What the fuck does this lady know about anything? Anything. Seriously. Inside of the people that aren't vaccinated. And now it's it's affecting us. (laughs) And now it's affecting us. The unclean. How can we let them walk amongst us? I don't know why they were not understanding that. We've got like 80 million people that are not vaccinated. They they understand. They don't want to. You know, I liked Ghost. I liked the movie Ghost. Now when I watch it, which I haven't watched it since I was younger, knowing Whoopi Goldberg, that crazy bitch is in it. Oh man. Oh man. Sister Act, classic films. But this crazy bitch, they don't understand. They don't want to. This fucking smoker. No one gives a shit. Whoopi, you dumb bitch. Yeah. Period. We all, we all understand. But we all understand that when it comes to, for example, secondhand smoking, right? Yeah. I don't don't smoke and I don't want you to smoke next to me because I don't want to swallow your smoke. First of all, you don't swallow smoke. You breathe it in. Secondly, all these bitches are probably smokers. Seriously. How much do you want to bet they are all smoking cigarettes in the back of the studio just to get through it? I mean, for certain, Whoopi Goldberg is a smoker. Listen to that voice. They just don't understand. These people are fucking psychotic. I'm sorry. I'm losing it right now. The reason I'm losing it is because this is such nonsense garbage that they're putting on television and they're putting this into the typical housewife's brain. This is the kind of shit they are playing for them. And I, I just can't get it through my mind that this is a reality we are actually physically living in right now. Is this, I just can't get it. I, I can't, I'm trying to do this show and I just can't. The, the stuff that I'm coming across, you guys, is just so psychotic. It, it's, it's terrifying. Like, I really just want to not even pay attention to it. And people are like, well, then don't, Joe. Don't pay attention to it. You guys, we either wake up to this psychotic bullshit and start calling it what it is, which is what I'm doing, which, like I said, I, I could be ostracized. I could be canceled. Uh, thank God I'm not famous right now because people, I, I couldn't be, even do this show. People would lose their fucking minds. But because I'm not famous, I can talk shit and get away with it for now. But I'm going to because this is so ridiculous, the stuff that these people are saying. And you know what? It doesn't end there. Like, I'm not kidding when I say these people are psychotic. As many of you may know, all of humanity is under a massive psychological warfare attack. And professor of clinical psychology, Matthias Desmet, who has studied the psychology of totalitarianism, 
has done an excellent job of explaining how we got here and how we win. In dictatorships, obedience comes from a basic fear of the dictator. But with totalitarianism, the people are hypnotized into obedience. In psychological terms, this mass hypnosis is known as mass formation. And totalitarianism always starts with a mass formation inside the population. A mass formation requires four conditions for it to take root. The masses must feel alone and isolated, and their lives must feel pointless and meaningless. These conditions have been growing for years with social media, mobile devices, and four years of massive division experienced during the Trump administration that made people on all sides feel more isolated. The masses then must experience constant free-floating anxiety, and they must experience free-floating frustration and aggression. This simply means there is no discernible source for the anxiety or aggression. And so the person begins to irrationally crave a remedy, no matter how absurd or destructive it may be. And these conditions were met in 2020 with the COVID lockdowns and the BLM riots. They are now ripe for hypnosis. And once they accept the experimental vaccines, they feel solidarity, which validates the whole thing for them, no matter how senseless. They are now changed, no longer rational. They become more intolerant and cruel. So how do we win? Studies have shown that about 25% of the population cannot be hypnotized, and about 10% are highly susceptible to hypnosis. And Professor Desmet simplifies this even more for us. He says that 30% of people are now deeply hypnotized and have irrationally accepted the experimental shots as their solution. 40% are not yet hypnotized, but will ultimately go along with the herd. And the rest of us are seeing things clearly. What the enemy is trying to do is extremely dangerous because if the masses ever awaken from their spell, they will demand justice. And so stress must constantly be maintained upon the masses until the mass formation is complete. We are the voice of dissent. And while we may not have much influence over the hypnotized 30%, we most definitely have sway over the 40% who will go along with the herd. We need to become the herd. Whether you think this all happened by accident or conspiracy, whether your reasons are based on religion or personal health, our voice of dissent must become one. It must grow and it must never end. We must spread the seeds of doubt to everyone at the gas station, at the grocery store, at work, at home, with the neighbors. They are desperately trying to provoke a civil war or a violent revolution because they can control that. Violence will not break people out of the hypnosis. It will only push more people into it. Telling the truth has become a revolutionary act. Telling the truth to everyone you meet will save humanity. So keep doing it. You can shove your vaccine mandates up your ass. You can shove your vaccine mandates up your ass. You can shove your vaccine mandates. Shove your vaccine mandates. Shove your vaccine mandates up your ass.
Mm, you guys, I'm having major computer issues. Short story is I need a whole new system. This computer's done and I'm having a hard time getting my show finished for this week. I'm gonna probably, I can't do it now, but I'll probably have to get a new computer, a whole new system early next year sometime. Um, but you, you have no idea how fucking long it takes to get anything done on this computer. And I've just, I've had it, I've had it, I've had it. From Newsmax, FDA says it'll take 75 years to fully release Pfizer vaccine data. A group of medical professionals and at least one GOP lawmaker are pushing back on the Food and Drug Administration's startling, lengthy timeline to produce requested data about the Pfizer vaccine. Public Health and Medical Professionals for Transparency has filed a Freedom of Information Act request for the data, which the FDA at first said would take 55 years to produce at least 500 pages per month for the entire 329,000-page cache of documents. Now the FDA is asking a judge to give it 75 years to produce the data, saying there's over 59,000 more pages that weren't mentioned in the first request. That would take the full release to 2096, 2096, the year 2096 before they released this information. Why do they need 75 years to release this data? I can guess. Um, because everyone that matters that's alive right now will be dead, maybe? Maybe all the money that they're making from these vaccines, they can move it around. They can uh, make sure that no one can get to it. So they want 75 years before they release to the public details about everything that's going on right now, that the, the hell that we're living through right now. They want to keep that all balled up and hidden from the public for 75 years. This is criminal. Here's Tucker Carlson with Glenn Beck. Gain of function, with which Fauci says never happened, happened in November of 2015. It happened with Dr. Barrett. It's, it was a published paper, November 2015. The USAID and Fauci with um, EcoHealth, or yeah, EcoHealth, EcoHealth Alliance. They were funding it. It was happening with the Wuhan people. So we know that. But what you may not know is in November, the same month that published paper comes out, the United States begins a partnership with Moderna and they are searching for uh, mRNA coronavirus vaccines. Kind of a weird coincidence, but wait, it gets worse. In this time, we skip to 2018, DARPA receives a proposal from Dr. Barrick, U.S. guy, uh, Dr. Xi from Wuhan, and Peter Daszak from EcoHealth, um, and, or EcoHealth, and uh, DARPA sees this and says, this is far too dangerous, we're rejecting your proposal. The NIH appears to be transferring technology to Dr. Barrick, but th what they're making clear is, quote, mRNA coronavirus vaccine candidates developed and jointly owned by NIAID and Moderna. Now this is weird because it's two weeks later that we know there's a problem. They signed that deal two weeks who happened to be a partner with the bat lady in Wuhan. Here's where it gets really dark. 
These are the same group of people that in the end of January begin to have meetings and they shut down and begin to smear anyone who's looking into the lab leak theory. They, they establish that's not true. Don't even look there. It, it appears to be collusion. We're living through a cover-up. That's what this is. For those of you who don't know me, my name's John. I'm a funeral director based in Milton Keynes. Um, uh, uh, I run a, a funeral home called Milton Keynes Family Funeral Services, and it is the 6th of December um, 2021. So what we're seeing is a large number, an unnaturally large number of deaths due to heart attack, stroke, aneurysm, um, and these are all as a direct result of thrombosis embolisms um, in the lungs, the legs, various places um, uh, that's causing these deaths. Um, and these are well documented by the local coroners. These are well documented, um, you know, across the country. Nobody seems to be concerned by the alarming rise in them. You know, um, I used to see a blood clot very, very rarely. Um, and now I've seen more this year than I have in the previous 14, to give you an idea. I've written to the chief coroner of England. He isn't concerned. I've had no response for weeks and weeks. And then I had an email from his secretary saying um, he does, he's not interested. The other type of death that I'm seeing, which is more distressing for me personally, is people um, who are getting sick now as their immune systems um, finally give up. So they've had the jabs maybe six, eight months ago and uh, it's been eaten away at their immune system. And now they're struggling to fight off things like the common cold. These people, uh, you know, it, it was well documented on the Georgia Guidestones and, and other places what would happen. These people are gonna willingly walk over the cliff begging for more. Uh, but if you do as many families did, you get vaccinated and boosted, you use testing judiciously before you gather, you gather in well-ventilated spaces and use masks mm -hmm. whenever you can in public indoor spaces, your risk can be quite low and your holidays can be quite fulfilling. That's what so many families experienced this past Thanksgiving. Look, this is how we put health and safety first, by ensuring that there is a vaccine mandate that reaches everyone universally in the private sector. A lot of folks in the private sector have said to me they believe in vaccination, but they're not quite sure how they can do it themselves. Well, we're gonna do it. Masks will be required in all public outdoor settings where physical distancing is not possible. The emergency mask mandate rule in Oregon is something that OSHA adopted in late 2020, and it is temporary. And with that, it's set to expire next week on May 4th. With the nuances of state law, OSHA's not actually allowed to extend temporary rules. That's not how it works. They can either let the temporary rule expire or they can make it permanent. I know you're following the data, but are there some assumptions you can now make about Omicron in terms of its potential to do greater harm? Right now in South Africa, there was very little de uh, Delta in uh, as Omicron was increasing. Um, here we actually have more Delta, but um, it may very well be that Omicron is able to outcompete Delta. But it's all predestined to happen because we're not conscious and we don't really stand up for what's right. And so when you don't stand up against evil, it always makes a move. The globalists are predators. So anybody who spins lies and threatens and all that theater that goes on with some of the investigations and the congressional committees and the Rand Pauls and all that other nonsense, that's noise, Margaret, that's noise. I know what my job is. 
Senator Cruz told the Attorney General you should be prosecuted. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have to laugh at that. <laughs> I should be prosecuted. What happened on January 6th, Senator? As if that's his get out of jail free card that Ted Cruz legally and lawfully was trying to have a 10 day Senate investigation that's in the Constitution of that election, something Democrats had had four years before. As if, oh, Ted Cruz now is a January 6th conspirator when it was the deep state that helped provocateur some of the crowd, a very small percentage of the crowd into the building. So they're, they're really hanging their hat behind the scenes on the January 6th committee to brand Americans as terrorists ahead of the midterms so they can stage some terror attacks and blame it on us. Make no mistake, that's in the cards, we told you. New variant, lockdowns, hysteria as a distraction from their criminal activities and the inflation, and then also stage terror attacks to be blamed on the liberty movement, and that's coming next. This is all highly scripted. These old dogs don't learn new tricks. No, they don't. Here is New Zealand's Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern being a terrorist. So long as there's people who are eligible who haven't been vaccinated, we've got work to do. You know, I don't think I'll ever be satisfied so long as there's someone who's choose, you know, who who is eligible and hasn't been. And that's why I've said this. There's not going to be an end point to this vaccination program. Uh, once we've obviously we're rolling out boosters now, so we've got a, another you know wave of people that we need to make sure that we're protecting again. So um, those who were vaccinated six months ago, we really need them to come back, or we need to go to them. This is the jab that never ends, and it goes on and on, my friends. Seriously. You're listening to Exit the Cult, only on Elf Tree Publishing. Now, enjoy the rest of the show, useless eaters. I'm Bill Gates. So the bunk Ghislaine Maxwell trial has been going on this week, last few weeks actually, and um, it seems that they're looking to wrap this thing up with heavily redacted documentation and evidence that was completely uh, kept from the jury. So this entire thing is a sham. But uh, from the insider, FBI agents used a saw to open a safe in Jeffrey Epstein's Manhattan mansion that held hard drives and diamonds. FBI agents used a saw to open a locked safe kept in the Manhattan mansion of the deceased sex offender Jeffrey Epstein, the agent who led the FBI search team said at Ghislaine Maxwell's trial on Monday. Inside the safe, the special agent said... The officers found hard drives, CDs, diamonds, and passports belonging to Epstein. I wonder what was on the hard drives. But we'll never know. What was on the CDs? Hmm, we'll never know. Kelly McGuire, the FBI special agent and leader of the team that searched Epstein's home on July 6th and 7th, 2019, testified on Monday about what the team found. The search was conducted as part of a search warrant executed a few days before Epstein's arrest on sex trafficking charges. McGuire said her team forced their way into the building after no one answered when they rang. Federal prosecutors previously alluded to the contents of the safe in 2019 when they sought to have a judge deny Epstein's bail application later that month. They said agents found $70,000 in cash, 48 loose diamonds, and other jewelry, and a passport from a foreign country with a picture of Epstein under another name in the safe. Hmm, Mossad much? CIA? But this is the first time Justice Department officials have mentioned the hard drives in the safe. It's also the first time any official has described the inside uh, 
Epstein's eight-story, 19,000-square-foot home, or discuss the CDs filled with photos found elsewhere in the building. Prosecutors say Maxwell trafficked girls for Epstein to sexually abuse in the Upper East Side mansion, as well as in Epstein's homes in London, U.S. Virgin Islands, and Palm Beach, Florida. Maxwell has pled not guilty to the charges. Epstein died by suicide in jail, right, while awaiting trial. He was suicided. McGuire, a member of the FBI Child Exploitation and Human Trafficking Task Force, testified on Monday that her team found the safe in a dressing room on the building's fifth floor. The mansion had 40 rooms and took about 12 hours for her team to fully search. That's it? It only took them 12 hours. When asked by a prosecutor at the trial whether the safe was open, McGuire answered, we brought a saw. Prosecutors showed jurors and members of the public a photo of the safe, which had been dragged by FBI agents to the middle of the dressing room. The hard drives, McGuire said, were found inside, were piled on top of it. It also held jewelry, blah, 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 same old, same old. McGuire said that the scope of the search warrant didn't permit the agents to seize the hard drives and CDs, so she left them atop the safe. The scope of the search warrant didn't permit the agents to seize the hard drives and the CDs, so they said they left them there. But anyway, this whole this whole Epstein trial, Maxwell trial is a sham. There, it's going to be a massive cover-up of the crimes that went on that implicated Prince Andrew, Kevin Spacey, uh, many, 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 many celebrities, Clinton, lots of people that are essentially the deep state, if you want to call the deep state anyone it's all of these criminal celebrities and politicians who were brought out to this island and blackmailed and are now in positions of power and this is why the world we are living in is so fucked up because these types of people are the ones running the entire show so that's going to do it for this week you guys i wish i could go a little bit more on this show but i'm just brain fried from all of this nonsense special thanks to band video tucker carlson and elf tree publishing and all of our listeners here at etc if you have any questions or comments about the show please reach out to us at exit the cult at protonmail.com or visit exit the as always be sure to check out the description for show notes and links to articles and videos featured in the episode have a killer weekend don't be a killer If you have an interesting story or information you'd like to share with our listeners, send us an email at exitthecult at protonmail.com. Please help support the show by becoming an Exit the Cult member over on our Patreon page for exclusive content and bonus episodes. Visit exitthecult.com for details. Tune into new episodes on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening.